Welcome to Word is Truth. This is Doug Presley. It is 3-16-2022. We're ready to begin our worship service with a word of prayer. Let's bow our heads. Thank you, Father. We're pleased to be here this evening. We thank you for choosing us from eternity past. We would be selected to live in this age that we are here now. And Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ through whom all of this has been accomplished. And without him, we, would, we wouldn't be here as believers in him. So Father, we thank you for this forum that we have, this church. We pray for those in Word is Truth, wherever they may be uh, at this hour. And we're praying that uh, our, for, your, for safety upon all of us. And also, Father, we pray for the universal church. And as, as we think about it, Father, we know there's a lot of world issues going on right now. We're praying for those who are suffering the rigors of war. Uh, there, are, there are people dying, probably, even as we speak. So we're praying for peace, Father, and asking that you intervene in whatever way possible. So all of these things we ask in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. All right. <clears throat> so currently, you know, our study is in Romans, and we are studying tonight Romans 10 and 17. We'll get to that. Uh, I just want to point out, just to re uh, remember, the website is out there. Uh, go there, please, and take a look and be familiar with what's there. We have uh, several pages. Uh, I haven't counted them. <laughs> At least six or seven pages uh, with plenty of things, sermons and articles and <clears throat> even levels of articles. And So not only do you, could you use these things for your personal growth, but if you find that there are uh, others out there who might benefit from uh, some of the material that's there, you could use that as a reference uh, if, once you're familiar with what is out there. So wordistruth.com is the website. There you can find all the information. Hopefully uh, it will be a good resource for you. So we are going to continue with this thought in Romans ch uh, chapter 10. Verse 17, it reads, Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. Paul goes the extra mile to discuss the process of believing the gospel for the sake of unbelieving Israel. And not for them alone. It is for us to understand and trust in God's word to us. Faith is important and pivotal to our salvation. It is no wonder that Satan would attack the only human response to the work of God on our behalf. Faith is the only way we can receive from God. Quote, <clears throat> without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So this is, a, this is about faith 
And as I said, it's very pivotal in the opening there. And why so? Because uh, this is a easy, an easy attack of Satan to attack faith. He wants to distort what true faith is into something else so that people who are trying to exercise faith uh, don't hit the target, don't hit the mark that they are aiming for, which is to believe in Christ and have salvation. So we want to we want to make sure we especially understand faith. We don't want to just talk about faith from the standpoint of oh yeah I believe I got faith and then you find out that you are not uh, really thinking about faith in a biblical way. It is important that we understand it. So we're going to go through, and this is a perfect verse to do it. It's in the backdrop of what unbelieving Israel has done and the Apostle Paul wants to point out to us. So we broke this down into two phrases, so it should go pretty quick. Uh, and I'll go through it. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. So that word, consequently, first of all, ara, it, it is, I just want to give the meaning here, and I think it's important. You won't get all the Greek words. <laughs> They're not... I'm not going to give you every Greek word there is, but if I think there's something in particular to point out about it, that's the only reason I'm going to uh, put this in front of you. Because no, other than the fact that uh, it's nice to know what the word, some of these words are, especially like faith and saved and you know all that, you know, words that are very common, you might want to just kind of memorize for your own good to know where they are in scripture and oh I saw that word again it's over here again right so the for that reason so anyway let's look at it <clears throat> so it has it's really from another it's, it's, it's the the Greek word is ara but it's kind of in the category of another Greek word uh, so it's through the idea of drawing a conclusion it's a participle and it means simply therefore so then, or wherefore. And there's a lot of other ways you could uh, say that it has use in Scripture. But those are <clears throat> very common ways you will see it translated, this word, in the English. And it's nice to know. Uh, so when you see therefore, that goes to point B. What would we do without the context? Paul keeps the continuity, and therefore, the spirit of truth testifies as well. So... We, this word is connective. It is a participle connecting what was previous to a point that is going to be made now. So it's really to say this is a, con this is a word that deals with the context. We should make sure we understand what's going on in a context. Uh, that way when we try to look at a particular verse in the context, it helps us. To know what is generally being spoken about. What is the writer trying to tell us? And so in the case of Paul, he keeps that continuity. And what we find out about context is that uh, it also helps us because the spirit of truth, right, which God has granted that the Holy Spirit has this ministry to us in this age, would also focus 
our attention on the Word of God. And what we find from the Spirit of Truth is the teaching, right? What, what the Word means, not just what it says, but what it means. And what the Spirit of Truth makes us do is to focus our attention on that. So we discover what the context is. We discover, we allow the words to speak to, to us uh, from uh, the context, not from just looking at the words and studying them in the dictionary. But they must be fit in the context. And we already said that Paul and other New Testament writers can borrow words from anywhere from, you know, they can draw metaphors, they can borrow words from the Old Testament, phrases, they can borrow scriptures, uh, they can do a lot of different things to try to make their point. So what we want to do is make sure we understand what their point is so that we have a good grasp of the subject matter. Here we know the context is salvation. So, so I just picked at that first word, consequently. Why? Because I wanted to show you that Paul is trying to link the context together. It's a connective word. So let's go on to point C. So consequently, faith, and now the faith is the next word in our, our phrase, and I wanted to give you faith and the definition of faith because, again, it's one of those words that is a nice word to understand and know from the Greek. And we said it's a very pivotal word. We certainly have discussed pistis before in the Greek, and that is the word for faith. It, it is a noun. Uh, pistis is the noun. Pistuo, as we're going to get to in point D, is the verb. So we'll get to that. So now notice, I noticed when they gave the definition for faith, first they threw in, they said it's from 3982, which is, this is Strong's Greek um, numbering, right? This, that's where, where we're getting this. So they also threw in um, patho. So I thought, okay, so if they're going to throw patho in, and we have seen that, especially in John 336, where it says, whoever uh, believes in him has life, but whoever refuses to believe, and there the, we could say refuses to believe, but the word is patho. And patho means persuasion, that is, credence, moral conviction of religious truth or of truthfulness of God or a religious teacher, especially reliance upon Christ for salvation, abstractly constancy in such profession, by extension, the system of religious gospel, truth itself, assurance. Now, this, all of that was patho. Here is faith, the word assurance, belief, uh, believe, faith, fidelity. All those are ways you can understand pistis. But notice they took us back to faith, patho, and I thought it was a good comparison to show because what is the persuasion that is uh, upon us when we refuse to believe in Christ? It, that is to say that there is some persuasion. And we know that that comes from God, the Holy Spirit. So once again, we have an invisible force at work in us for trying to convince us, trying to persuade us, trying to convict us that Jesus is the Christ, right? the gospel. And we 
have to, if we, we're going to be an unbeliever, we have to refuse that persuasion. The only way anybody can be saved is, we could say, through Jesus Christ. That, that's one way of saying it. Jesus Christ is the only way anybody could be saved. He's the only Savior. But there's more. Because not one person has ever been saved apart from the, inter, the interdependency between Jesus Christ and God the Holy Spirit. We need both. We need the Holy Spirit to convict us, to persuade us, to reveal truth to us. Without him, it says that we're in darkness, we're dead in our transgressions and sins, and we don't know anything. It says that we're not righteous, we're under sin. All have turned away, they have all together become... So without the Holy Spirit intervening on our behalf, no one could believe in Christ. So we just have to see that. And he's not visible. So people could easily dismiss that and say, well, you know, I just got interested myself. You know, one day I just started really reading the Bible and picking up the Word, and I just started getting interested, and that's how it all started. It wasn't you. It was not. It was God the Holy Spirit. If you don't understand that, then you, you're not understanding the process that Paul is trying to help us understand here. So, so then, I took the word, now believe the word pistuo, point D, is not in the context, right? But I just felt like, okay, let me throw that in, because we have faith, pistis, the noun, and we have believe, is translated believe, pistuo, and that is the verb. So you will see both, and it, it is, over one, this is Schaefer has uh, researched this, over 150 times in the New Testament, pistuo is used to, uh, to demonstrate salvation. It's just by faith. And we, that's why we, we talk about faith alone in Christ alone, because it is important. We'll, we'll, let's get into pistuo. It, it, now, they say it comes from 4102. Now, 4102 is the number for faith and for pistis, which we have already covered. So it means to have faith in, upon, or with respect to a person or thing. That is credit by implication to entrust, especially one's spiritual well-being to Christ. Believe, it is translated, commit to trust. Put trust, put in trust with. Now, so you get all of that, all of those meanings just for the that one word, pistuo, and uh, they, they kind of dovetail together, pistuo and pistis, whether it's the noun or the verb. Uh, so we we see uh, there's another definition here. Let me throw it in. And this point E, what is faith or believing? And faith is the ability, now I'm going to just head, head, head this off at the past. This is from Doug. This is from me. Right? This is my definition of faith. So faith is the ability of man, and it's unbeliever or believer, to look away from ourselves and make a decision. Now remember, these are all facets of faith. Make a decision to trust, rely, believe in something, someone, 
or some system. That that is my definition of faith when we look at it. Now, of course, or believing. Now, I am leaving out a lot of information about faith here that I could faith can be used in so more in a subjective sense in other words I have faith um, I am believing in something it can be used in an objective way which we say uh, it is not what is believed it, it is not the fact of believing it is what is believed in other words the body of truth right so earnestly contend for the faith which is once for all delivered to the saints. Now that is a scripture in Jude, but he's talking about faith in the objective sense, meaning it is what is believed. Faith can also be uh, about faithfulness, somebody who is reliable, right? That's usually not man. And although God does call upon us to be faithful, meaning consistent, but God ultimately is faithful. Uh, we're not called upon, upon to be faithful for salvation. We're called upon to, be, to have faith, that is, in the subjective sense, just simply to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and we will be saved. But then, <clears throat> to be faithful has to do with our Christian walk, right? being consistent in our Christian walk, uh, learning and growing in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, and then uh, we, we talked about faith from the standpoint of its objective way where contending for the faith, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, other ways by faith. We, you know, Hebrews 11, it has to do with the word of God and, and the people there who believed in the word of God, some of the things, some of the exploits that they undertook in the world, right? It says they stopped the mouths of lions. They did this, they did that. And all because they trusted in God and his strength, right? his word. So faith, assurance. And there's another word that we could also throw in there, which I don't have in the notes. It's hope. Hope is the word elpis, a different word, but it, it's root meaning. It comes from faith. Faith where we trust God and his word, where we are basically saying, I am clinging to the promises of God. And usually hope has to do with the, uh, they, they have to, they are dispensationally uh, understood. So our hope is not something that was promised to Israel. Our hope is not uh, found in something that is promised to some Gentiles. Our hope it has to do with something God has promised to the church. It, it deals with our destiny, what God has planned for us. We have a different destiny and purpose than that of Israel. So we have a different hope, we could say. But hope is a confident assurance. So it, it goes beyond just believing and trusting in, but it is a an absolute confidence and assurance. So we have that word as well. That's another word that we can throw in the mix here. So that's D. We already went to D. We went to E. Uh, the key things in E is faith is a decision. And people don't usually talk about faith from the standpoint that it is literally a choice that you make. You have to choose. Uh, it is a matter of committing yourself 
to the Word of God. Right. In this case, we'll see what it is later, but as it's coming. But it, it is literally a decision you must make to trust, to rely, to believe in. Uh, that's important to note that it is a decision. It's an act of the will for us. But it is not meritorious. In other words, like I said in our definition, faith is the ability of man. And it, unbeliever or believer. So if, it, if unbelievers didn't have faith, then uh, they would never be able to believe in God and Christ and his word. So believers have faith, and we talked about faithfulness, right? That's growing in grace. And how do we grow up in Christ? We have to continue to believe in the word of God. So uh, related to spiritual growth. Uh, but it's to look away from ourselves Right? We have to look away from who we are, what we have, what our resources are, and make a decision to trust, rely, believe in something or someone uh, or some system. Some system. We talk about the postal system. I do hear some background noise. Stand by. I'm just going to put them on mute. Yeah. Yeah, so, so that... That is a system, and we have to have, if, if for us to be a part of that system, we have to trust in it, right? We have to put your mail in the mailbox. You say, well, what is that? That's a mail. Who's going to get my mail? It's a whole system. The mailman picks it up, and it takes it back to the post office. They short it. They put it in, and next thing you know, it's you know it's destined to go wherever. They stamp it and put it on a truck, etc., etc. It's a whole system involved in that. We could say that salvation is a system, even though someone is probably the key here because someone is Christ. But it's a system because the Father planned salvation. Christ did the work of salvation, and the Holy Spirit reveals salvation. As I said, nobody can really be saved unless God the Holy Spirit enlightens and enables them. Right? They, they have to have some help in order for them to even see what the gospel is, which is spiritual information. It is not something we can comprehend or understand. Right? So God, the Holy Spirit, helps us out. So yes, Christ did the heavy lifting. Well, I don't even want to say the Holy Spirit's job isn't heavy lifting. It is. So it, it, it is heavy lifting. So point F, we're moving forward. That was Doug's definition. So faith comes from, and this is part of our phrase, consequently, faith comes from. So we must be careful to consider the source of faith. If we make a decision from a source that is not worthy of our trust, we are responsible. Here's a few scriptures I should point out because it is important that we don't just have faith in anything or anyone, right? Uh, it, or any system of things, right? It's, we have to be sure so that what we're trusting is trustworthy. And I know a lot of people will say, well, I can have faith in what my mom told me or my dad told me. But that's, you know, something that uh, we have to evaluate, right? Is, does it mean Whatever your mom or father told you is absolutely trustworthy. The only thing that we can trust in this world is the Word of God. 
And the spirit of truth is what makes the word of God real to us. And I used to say this argument to people, and they, you know, they're, they're really on fire about what their parents told them. And I, and I recognize that, listen, parents are the authority in our lives. And yes, we have a tendency to believe everything they say. But what if your parents were devil worshipers, Satanists, or witches? Right, so then all of you were raised that way, so they taught you to believe in those things. Those things were blatantly wrong, according to the Word of God. Now, of course, you're in those things. You don't see that as so. You might see that as, well, no, that's what they taught me. But those things are blatantly wrong, according to the Word of God. And they came from your mom and dad. So you, everything that, that comes to you in the form of, uh, you know, urging you to believe must be vetted to make sure it's worthy of your trust, worthy of your faith. Because what you believe goes into your heart, and that becomes a part of the, the, the person that you are. A good example is Jehovah's Witnesses believe that uh, you're not to take blood transfusions. This is, now this is not a, a you shouldn't, you know, follow this all the way down and say, okay, should we not take blood transfusions? No, this is, this is not what the Word of God teaches at all. But Jehovah's Witnesses believe that it is. So they don't take blood transfusions. And children have died. Children under their authority have died. Why did they die? It's because people, these parents believed that it was evil and you would be separated from the people of God if you took a blood transfusion. So they let their children die. And they were not mad about it or sad about it. It was, they thought, doing the will of God. And so this is, but it's a false thing, right? This is not a matter of faith at all. We shouldn't, that's not what the Bible teaches at all. Spirit of truth does not teach that. So, but yet, that is something that, I'm just giving an example. So Isaiah 2.22, let's, let's get to some of these verses of what we shouldn't have trust in. Isaiah 2.22 simply says, Stop trusting in mere humans who have but a breath in their nostrils. Why hold them in esteem? Yeah, this, that's a good verse. Really just to tell you, look, um, we, we don't really have an... I mean, trusting in man... Now, first of all, especially as you learn the bad news, right? The bad news is we're all... We've been born in sin... Because of what Adam did, all of us have a sin nature. Uh, none of us know what truth is. None of us fear God in, in, from our nature. This is where we all came from. So we should not be trusting in what man says. Now, obviously, this competes with a lot of uh, what's out there today in the world. You will hear people talking about uh, this man, you got to hear him. That man, you got to hear him. Everybody... Even in, including myself, we have to be vetted by what the Word of God teaches. If I am teaching something and it sounds strange to you, you have to go and find out why am I saying such things? Uh, is there reasons for saying such things? Is, is that what the Word of God teaches? If I can't show you that that's what the Word of God teaches, I'm going to tell you 
You shouldn't believe it. Me? But then, don't, don't just hold me to it. Hold others as well to the same standard. Don't believe it unless you can see. Now, you give them an opportunity to explain themselves, right? Give them a chance to say why they believe what it is they believe. Is there something in Scripture that got me to believe that, and now I'm telling it to you? That's what you need to find out. So that's Isaiah 2.22, just telling. Don't stop. Don't even think about trusting mere humans. They're, they're, they came from Adam, just remember. Uh, so there are conditions as to why. Then there's Jeremiah 17, 5 through 8. Now, I know all of you know this one. I'll read it, Jeremiah 17, 5 through 8. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in parched places of the desert and in, in a salt land where no one lives. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when he comes. It leaves its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. So perfect imagery here for us to look at. But it's all really telling us how we should trust, not trust, in man. And you'll be judged if you do. In other words, it'll be a judgment. from Because you didn't trust in the Lord and you had confidence in man, God's going to judge you. That's what it is. Cursed means. That's what that means. And then Psalm 146. Psalm 146. Let's get to that one. Uh, uh, let's see. 146. 3 through 6. Let's read it. Do not put your trust in princes, in human beings. Princes could be today are those of us who have the rule over us. Politicians, uh, kings, those who do... Uh, serve in those capacities. But don't put your trust in them, in human beings who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. On that very day, right, whatever they were doing on earth is over, right? They may have plans that they're going to revamp the economy or, or change this or change that. It's over. As soon as the, mo the moment they die, it's, their plans come to nothing. Blessed are those whose help is God, the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord, their God. He is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. We're seeing some of the, we saw hope, we saw faith in there. So there's a lot there to, for us to consider. It, again, it's telling us, watch out where you put your faith. Right? We, we must carefully consider the source. When, so when we want to believe something, believing it is a decision that we make that it, this has become a part of, of us because we're trusting on it. We depend on it. Somebody comes and tells you something wrong and you believe it, you believe something that's a lie. So you got to watch it. This is very careful. I would say take your time. And having faith. Don't just jump and believe everything that sounds good to you. That's why preaching is, you know, I just, 
I don't want to go into this whole thing about why I don't like preaching. But what I will say is just watch it. You know, just because it sounds good and they put some rhymes to it or they've done this and that and put music to it, all that, just watch it. What goes into your, your heart becomes a part of you. This is what I said. Those just like the JWs who go out and they allow their children to die. A simple blood transfusion could have saved their lives, but no, 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 no. They think, they believed a lie, and now they are acting upon it. So then, so that's faith comes from. Be careful where it comes from. Point G, faith comes from hearing. We're, we're continuing with the phrase, but the context here is on hearing. So when we talk about Generally speaking, faith is in your in the word of God, but it is also in what you hear when it, with reference to the word of God. So this hearing represents listening and understanding the message. It's not just uh, you know the fact that you can hear something. Yeah, you can put the gospel on and go to sleep, and you think that just because you heard it, maybe through osmosis or you know dreaming it or something, you can now it, it's in your head. It doesn't work that way. You literally have to hear it, and you have to understand it. Now, if you don't understand it, what are you, what are you trusting in? I mean, how, how do we? How does that work? How do you trust in something you don't understand? Trusting in it means you have a level of understanding where you're willing to depend, trust, rely on it. It may change the way you think about things if you trust in something. So, but, but if you don't understand it, how can it change any of your thoughts? How can it be building blocks for how you think about things if you don't understand it? So it's important when it comes to, when it says the context here, our context is about hearing the message. And it represents listening and understanding. So the, the Israel refused to believe in Christ. They refused to to believe the message. And as we said, did not all the Israelites believe? That was the previous verse last week. Well, they, they heard the message, but they didn't believe it. All right, so that's important for us to understand. So, so it's the response to faith or believing, right? That's what is important. It's our response. It's faith or believing. But first, to hear the message, we have to understand it. Now, that makes sense. You know, I, this part, point G, is not just on the speaker himself. Let's say I'm giving a message of the gospel, I'm using the scriptures, I'm, I'm doing the right thing. All, but let's say I, you don't understand it. Um, remember, that's, what, that's exactly like it says in 1 Corinthians 3. One man plants, another man waters, but it is God who gives the increase. So in one sense, we can speak words, but the understanding, what makes the understand, what makes the word real to the person is God. We're back to God, the Holy Spirit. I, I, sound, like, I sound like a broken record now. <laughs> Constantly talking about God, the Holy Spirit. He's there, though, and without him, there is no understanding. Remember, we're dead. So even if we, we say we hear the word, and then we can believe the word. So all of that comes with understanding. It, it comes, and, and that is dependent upon God, the Holy Spirit. So 
point H. I told you this would go quick. Faith comes from hearing the message from the spirit of truth and the messenger, right? We must trust, right? So when I say faith comes from hearing the message, it, it originates, oh, oh, I must have missed something here. Let's read this point H all over again. So faith comes from hearing the message. Faith originates with us, right? So when some people think faith comes somehow outside of us, or if you just listen to the word of God, you'll get faith. Now, remember, faith is a decision. It is an, is an act of the will on our part. It comes from us. We have it already. So, like I said, cursed is the man who trusts in man. Well, trust, faith, you can have faith in man. You can have faith in the wrong thing. So faith is not something that is only, uh, you know, for believers. Unbelievers have faith. And, some, and mostly in the wrong things. So faith originates with us. It's, it's not outside of us. Upon hearing and understanding the message from the spirit of truth and the messenger, that's us, these are the responses. We must trust. We must rely. We must believe the message. Those, those are things that happen to us. And we've covered Ephesians 1.13, which is very descriptive. Ephesians 1.13, let's read it. It tells you, the process. Here it is. Uh, this is how we got to be in Christ. Now, once we believe the Holy Spirit, this is simultaneous, right? It happens. As soon as we believe in Christ, we also can say, wow, the Holy Spirit baptized us into the body of Christ. How do we get in Christ? Let's look at the process. And you were also included in Christ. Now, he tells you when you heard the message of truth. So there it is. You had to hear it. And hearing, again, it has to do with not just, oh, I heard it before. You said that already before. But it's hearing and understanding the message of truth. And what is the message of truth? The gospel of your salvation. All right, there's a message where God specifically talks about how an unbeliever can be saved, how an unbeliever can be righteous and justified before God, how an unbeliever can be born again. Right? These, there is a specific message that deals with uh, the bad news and then the good news around what God has done to resolve the bad news. So now notice where we are. You, you were included in Christ when you heard the word, the message of truth. What is that? The gospel of your salvation. And now back to when. It speaks of time. When you believed, in other words, it may not have happened right then, but when you finally understood it and you believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit. So there was, there's also other simultaneous things that happen the moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ. Right? So, so it's very clear how it happens. It comes from hearing the message, and we saw the illustration given in Ephesians 1.13. Point I, Paul makes the point that Israel could have and should have believed and still have this opportunity even now. So Paul, his heart's desire and prayer to God is that the Israelites might be saved. And he's not just saying that to say, well, it's over for them. It's past for them. It's over. They, this, you know, the door of, of you know, hope 
for them is closed. They're lost forever. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, I'm reaching out to them now, even now as we speak. And that's important in his mind. He would cut off his right arm if he could for to, to have Israelites saved. He, he, he was one of them. So he certainly understood where they were coming from. And so he wanted, above, above all things, that they his own people would be saved. There's no nothing wrong with, with the love of his own people. So point number two, right? So the whole phrase is, is that consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. And point number two says, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. So the message, rhema, that's, that's what the word for message is. And it really has, to, and well, let's talk about it. Uh, this is the definition, that which has been uttered by a living voice, uh, a thing spoken, a word, any sound produced by the voice or having a definite meaning, speech, discourse, or one, what one has said, a series of words joined together in a sentence, a declaration of one's mind made in words, etc. These are all words from Thayer saying the definition of rhema in the Greek is. So it, it is really about the spoken word. So there's two things you ought to have trust in. The spoken word, and the spoken word must be uh, backed up by the written word and God, the Holy Spirit's giving us the teaching of what the written word is. So it's not just, oh, well, you got a scripture for that? <laughs> if you got a scripture for that, then okay. No, it doesn't, it has to be in context. It has to be what, the spirit of truth is teaching about that particular point. Can't just be any old scripture. Uh, people are just getting a scripture that has words, but it doesn't have the meaning, right? So it's important when we talk about rhema is that we make sure that we have to vet the speaker. But when it comes to the word of God, right, then you can follow along and as the pastor a teacher continues to teach according to the context and so you can see whether or not the person is or is not giving the understanding as to why he has taken a particular stance on a verse right for instance my notes are telling they're telling you why i believe this phrase means a certain thing i'm giving you my reasoning for why I've taken particular stances. There, it's right here in the notes and writing for you. Now, it doesn't mean that everything I've written is absolutely truth. You have to determine that. Uh, and I would, if if it's not true, I stand corrected. You know, I would. I am not perfect. That's for sure. But you have to determine that in your own mind with the God, the Holy Spirit, whether or not you are to put faith to the the spoken word here. So um, point B, in context, right? This is the context of where we are in Romans 10. The message is heard. Now, why do we say heard? Because he's not necessarily talking about the written word. He's talking about the message that you heard. And, th and here it is, uh, through, uh, through the word about Christ. Now, it's very specific. It's not just saying you heard the law. He's talking about the word about Christ. Christ. And that 17 is the last half of the verse that we're, the phrase that we're in. So it says, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. 
So if you think about what he's saying, point C specifically, the message heard here is the message about the Messiah or Christ. He, he, he just quoted Isaiah. We went through Isaiah. Who has believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? He's talking about the Messiah. He's saying some of the Israelites did not believe in their Messiah. Or what we could say, the gospel. There it is in 1016. If we go back to Romans, it's right there in the context what he's talking about. So I'm going to just read 1016. He says, but not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message. So what, when he says the good news or the gospel, obviously it's not about everything in the word of God. He's specifically talking about the gospel in context here. We've been saying that, but there's no problem uh, making sure we have enough corroboration to make sure that we're still on the right track. Point D, our faith must be in a reliable source. Right, such as truth. And then we know in John 17, 17, where do we what is truth? Somebody could say anything is truth. Everybody is decrying truth today. They're saying what I'm saying is the truth. I even think there's a rapper called the truth. I don't know because I don't really listen to rap, but I think there is one. And I think he calls himself the truth. But is he speaking the truth of the word? Well, you, you got to judge for yourself. You got to look at the word, listen to what he's saying. I'm not even going down that road. But I'm just saying, here's what truth is to us. It is your word. Sanctify them by the truth, says John 17, 17. The last half of it, your word is truth. And we know from John 17, 17, he's not just talking about the truth from the Old Testament revelation. He's talking about this new truth like he spoke of when he comes when the spirit comes uh, he will guide you into all truth and on and on he, he, there's much more to say more than you can now bear but when he the spirit of truth comes he will guide you into all truth so it's it that's the truth that he's referring to when we say your word is truth it's dispensationally understood by us that god is going to dump a whole mass of communication on us and that is through the spirit of truth. Uh, Jesus gave the introduction in the, in the discourse. Point E, some examples of faith and its source. Now, we, we'll go through these quickly. Uh, just so we un hopefully we understand what faith is now. And we know what the source of faith is. But we'll just give some biblical examples. Hebrews 11.3, I'm going to go through these pretty quick. Hebrews 11.3 says, by faith. We understand. So there it is, right? Faith, because we've trust, we heard the word. Now here is not the message of the gospel, but it is how this world or this creation came into being. How did it happen? Right. A lot, a lot of scientists today might think that that is something uh, of importance. How did this um, world come into this universe come into existence? Well, here it is by faith. So we didn't have information. We don't have scientific information that says, well, you know, we studied the rocks and we studied the other planets and the moon and wherever we could see it, the Hubble telescopes and the, even the more powerful ones. And this is what we came to understand. No, no. By faith, 
That is the word of God. It told us the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what is what was visible. So, you know, they talk about the Big Bang Theory and all these other things that happen, right? This, this is how man is trying to come up with a reason for his existence. Well, God is saying, no, none of that's true. No, I, by my command, I spoke and the universe leapt into existence. That's how it happened, right? It, we call that ex nihilo in the, the Latin, which is to say out of nothing. The, the, the universe was formed, was created out of nothing or not from existing material. God spoke and he has the power so that the universe, matter, resources, anything he needs can come into being. Wow, what power is that, right? But that's how it happened. God says by faith, we understand that. I, now I know that, and I believe, and I trust that. So when I think about evolution, all that other stuff, I don't believe that. I don't trust in that. I trust in the fact that God created the universe. That's knowledge for me. And it's true knowledge, which now I can build upon that knowledge. Well, other things from God telling me what happened, or how he did it, or this and that. Heavens declare the glory of God. God, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, or John 1, 3. Without him, that's the word, nothing was made that has been made. I can get more detailed information about this. So that, that's a, one of the scriptures. Now, Acts 15, 7. I said we're going to move quickly. Acts 15, 7. Let's read that. Um, so it says, after much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know, this is the Jerusalem council, by the way. Brothers, you know that some time ago, God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel. And now notice, and believe. So notice they had to hear the message of the gospel and what was their response? Believe. That is the only response we can have to the gospel, is to believe, to have faith. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and what? You will be saved. Right? It is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of ourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. John 17 and 20 is our next verse. John 17, 20 says, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me. Uh, well, this is, now that's faith, right? right? Pistuo, believe in me. But it's, notice, it's through their message. It's not just out of the blue. It is through the message. We already talked about you got to hear the message. You got to understand the message. And, and then you can now, your response, have your response to it, whether I believe it or I don't believe it. Well, this is this prayer, Jesus is saying, is not for the disciples alone, it's for us too, because we believe on him through their message. That's how we came to faith. Right, so then, um, where's oh, Romans 10.8, which is right, I, I think that's right in the context of what we've been studying. So let's look at that one, Romans 10, 8. But what does it say? The word is near you, 
It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. This is Paul telling the Jews how easy it is. And the message has been there. And it, it's, it's so close to you. You don't have to go up to heaven to bring Christ down or go into the deep or raise him up from the dead. You don't have to do any of the hard lifting. But God already did it. All you have to do is believe. Put your trust. And, and this is what Paul is saying. This is the message of faith that we proclaim. Wow, it's already 9.13, I know. But we, we, we're going to move forward. I think we've got a few points left. And so point F, and this is, we're closing. A clarification from a classic verse. Right? That's, and this is the verse. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. So what clarification do we need from Ephesians 2.8? There's three points about it. Here it is, point one. What is not from yourselves, right? Uh, when it says this is a gift of God, right? So, so it's by grace you have been saved through faith. Here it is, this phrase, and this is not from yourselves. So my question in point one is what is not from yourselves? Or ourselves is it faith is it saved or is it the word grace so when it says and this is not from yourself it doesn't say and this grace or this faith or this salvation right it just says and this is not from yourselves now it could be all three of the things are not from ourselves we could say that right so we could say well um, Grace certainly not doesn't come from us, comes from God. God is the one, Jesus Christ is the one who did the work and, and God offers us grace based on Jesus Christ's work. So it could mean grace. What about faith? Well, it's not that God gives us faith, but we look away from ourselves in order to believe in Christ. We don't trust in ourselves. We that's faith is not from ourselves. It is it is it comes from us, but it is not about us, right? But it's really, it's really not, this is point number two, it's saved, right? Why is it saved? Where it says, and this is not from yourself. So the word this, that's this word here, that's underlined and bolded. That word this must agree in gender to modify its antecedent. What that means if you're talking, for instance, if you're talking about a woman and the pronoun that you use to describe that woman is a thing or him, that would be incorrect, right? So in Greek, we also have gender agreements for pronouns and so antecedents must agree. If we're talking about something, you can't just say it is the wrong gender, right? Or else it wouldn't match. It would be like me talking about a woman and saying it was a man. No, I'm supposed to use a feminine gender to speak about the woman. Greek has something very similar to that. So the, the words that speak and modify one another must agree in gender. So it does not agree with faith or grace because they're both in a feminine gender. It is neuter and it agrees with the verb in the sentence, which is saved. Right, so point number three is what it really says. And this... The, this the matter of salvation is which includes really grace and the only way we can, we can receive salvation which is faith it includes that but it's really not modifying those words it's modifying the matter of salvation is not from yourselves 
It's the gift of God. And as if we were to put um, the rest of it and not of works, lest anyone or any person would boast. So that's important. It's the matter of salvation. Why would we even care about that? Because some Calvinists are saying, by looking at Ephesians 2, 8, they're saying, well, that faith is somehow a gift, right? You, you don't have faith, so God has to gift you faith. And then you, he, he, then you can believe in Christ. He, he gives you the faith to believe in Christ. That's what Calvinists say, but that is not true. And they used uh, Ephesians 2.8 to try to demonstrate that. It is absolutely wrong. And I told you why from Greek grammar. Point G. Faith is not looking at the law. This is the last point. It's not looking at the law. Right? Because a lot of people think, well, um, if I just keep my eye on the law and do what it says, then that's it. I'm good. Right? That's faith. But that's not. And then here's what it says. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says the person who does these things will live by them. What does that mean? That means the law says what you ought to do. And if you don't do it, well, then you don't do it. If you do it, then you're living by the law. He's talking about people who are under the law. That's Galatians 3.12. Or you can look at Romans 3.19-22. through 22. So this is our last scripture. Romans 3, 19 through 22. But that's exactly the thought, is that the law is not of faith. That's the point. It's not based on faith. Faith is looking away from ourselves and trusting someone else, <clears throat> something else. Whereas the law, when we look at the law, it, it is not in faith. The law reflects back on us and tells us what we need to do, right? how we need to live. The law is not of faith, and salvation is by grace. It is through faith. So therefore, there is nothing about the law that we need in order to be saved. Nothing at all. So, so then, and obviously it's not a way of life for us in this age, for we are uh, not under the law, but we are under grace. So uh, Romans 3.19 says, Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced, and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Now, this is what the Jews were doing. This is their fatal flaw. This is why Israel could not be saved, because they looked at the law as a means of salvation. And they thought, well, whatever works they were doing, was they were getting some credit to God, and God ought to recognize their law-keeping and their obedience. However, it was atrocious. We know that that cannot save you. So it says, through the law, we become conscious of sin. So they, they should have understood that they were sinners, and, and instead, in their arrogance, they made more of themselves than they ought to have and uh, thought that they were righteous before God. Verse 21, but now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. It was in the Old Testament. We got to look at Abraham and others. They testify to the fact that it is by faith, righteousness by faith. Verse 22, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. So there you have two of the words we spoke about, faith and believing, the noun and the verb. 
it is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who do believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. Gentiles didn't have the law, so faith has nothing to do with the law whatsoever. So we don't have to think about law. It is simply grace. It is by grace. We didn't earn it. We don't deserve salvation. We all, when we think about grace, in the condition we're in, we are qualified for salvation because of the condition we're in. What condition do we need to be in? Condemned, uh, lost, right? Spiritually dead under the wrath of God. Uh, you know, all of that are what qualifies us for salvation. And if you're saying, well, no, I'm not lost, I'm, I'm good, then you are not qualified. It is by faith. We look away from ourselves and we look to Jesus Christ. So we're going to have to stop here. This is our point. And we will we'll pause for to see if there are any thoughts, uh, questions, anything at all about what we talked about or any questions on your mind. What's, what's on your mind? The floor is open. We'll pause for a minute. Make sure everybody has their phone off off of mute because I can bet yeah, I'm here. There you go. <laughs> I can bet somebody <laughs> has their phone on mute. Go right ahead, Dwight. How are you? Pretty good, pretty good. Thank you for the message. That was very uh very comprehensive. I appreciate that. Um just today, as a matter of fact, I was hearing from somebody that I talked to a while ago about um, uh, about doctrine and beliefs and stuff, and I think we're still uh, very much uh, apart. I thought, you know, a while ago that there was some similarity, but um, some things that have been said uh, give me the impression I have a while to go. And one of them is in regard to the message, um, what the message is and what it isn't, and how and what kind of response is um, expected from the message as well. And two things I note about this person is, is that they're of the, uh, um, you know, Jesus is either Lord of all or not Lord at all. Um, he got that, um, that belief, and the other one is that he made the comment that um, love was one of the things required um, to be saved. So he was referring to Romans 10, 9, and he was saying that, you know, you have to believe, you have to um pull it up. He said you have to believe, you have to do something, and you have to love Jesus, and then you will be saved. So I know that loving Jesus is, is we don't even get a chance to really know him until after we are saved. That's right. um, mm -hmm. So I think that that becomes part of our Christian walk, not, not a, uh, a prerequisite for uh, salvation. 
That's absolutely right. Uh, I don't see anywhere where love is a condition for salvation. Love the Lord and you shall be saved. It's always believe in the Lord. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And believe and love are two different things. If I don't know how you can say you believe in Jesus when you really don't know him. Uh, and I'm sorry, I shouldn't say that. I, I meant to say how you can say I love Jesus and you really don't know him. Love is a matter of, of growth. And even our love grows and it has to do with our devotion and commitment to and our adoration and appreciation of what Jesus, who he is and what he has done for us and our acceptance of it and on and on. It's just, love is much more detailed and it is a part of our spiritual growth, absolutely so. I would not say that is not so, but it is not a part of our salvation. Now, God's, it says that God so loved the world. So remember, what does it say about us, the world? It says, while we were still enemies, Christ died for us. In other words, if we are reconciled and we're enemies, then God loved us when we were his enemies and he brought us to Christ. But it isn't through him just loving us, loving on us, it is, he was so motivated that he sent his only son to be the savior of the world. That's what love motivated him to do. That's a matter of justice. It's not a matter of love per se. So he loved the world and I'm motivated. What, are, what does that motivation make me do? Send the son to be the savior of the world. And that's exactly what the verse said. God so loved the world, loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son. When he says he gave him, it means he gave him over to judgment as a sacrifice of atonement for our sins. And just like it says in 1 John 2, 2, he is a propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. So the Father did all of that for us, unbeknownst to us. We didn't know about it, but we learn about it through, through the Holy Spirit, through uh, the message of the gospel, all of that is out there. Um, so, I, I, again, when we say we look at the source, I would say for that person to look at the source of why they believe uh, that and uh, present it. Say, why, why do they believe that love is a part of salvation? Just like we discussed here. I'll pause. Um, yeah, that's a good approach. I do want to, um, you know, that was my thought, asking questions about um, simple questions um, and, and looking for places of agreement and common ground. Yes. So what is, what is it that we can agree on? Um, but his, his statement was this, and this is why it uh, caught my attention. He said, my point is if you confess that Jesus is Lord, love him and believe that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And he has a reference to Romans 10, 9. And yet I, I think he's saying more than what's in that verse alone. I think and, so. Um, I think so, so. In, in 10, 17, you mentioned the message and even the part about um, confessing that Jesus is Lord. And he, he goes further. Um, he mentioned some things about um, 
he basically turned the question toward me and he said, do you believe that Jesus is Lord? Um, and I kind of knew where he was going with that, so I didn't give him a direct yes or no answer. Um, because I wanted to imply that, hey, you can't just say he's Lord of all um, or not Lord at all. There are, there are different, um, you know, sources for that information, such as Old Testament, stuff like that. In regard to the message um, that you referenced in Romans 10, 17, um, even around that, there are um, not necessarily hard boundaries, but there are certain things that are not prerequisite, um, such as knowing what the law says. Um, it's not like you have to study Judaism in order to become a Christian. That's um, true. So the message here in, in Romans 10, uh, as you mentioned, the context is about salvation. Um, so it's only mentioning the law as a contrast to that. Yeah, yeah. That's That is so, yeah. Yeah, it is. So remember, Paul can take from whatever he wants, but he isn't trying to tell us that salvation is by grace. It's just like we, we read, you know, this is the message of faith. And remember, faith is not of the law, uh, of the law at all. So Romans 10.8 is, what does it say? The word is near you, it is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. And that goes into uh, Romans 10.9 and 10 about uh, declaring with your mouth. So, does does any of these verses that we have looked at give you the whole ball of wax? No, ball of wax. I don't know if that's a good way to say it, but does it give you the whole gospel <coughs> message? No. So, there's a lot that's left out. So, this is not to say that Paul is going to give you the entire discourse of the gospel. Or here, if you just have these two verses and have a person repeat after me, then then that works for them. There is no magic formula. The only thing that can happen is that God the Holy Spirit can take what is true in that message and apply it to your heart. And if you understand the message of the gospel, you understand. Only way we can know that is if God the Holy Spirit, or whether you can know it, is if God the Holy Spirit made that real to you and, and you believed it and you had enough information that he revealed to you. Like I said, one man plants, another man waters, but God gives the increase. Uh, and I don't like to give a personal testimony here, but I'll give my personal testimony. Uh, I have heard the gospel plenty of times. Plenty of times. I rejected it soundly every single time I heard it. And I even thought it was of the devil, grace, the way people were using it. Yeah, I said, oh man, they're lulling people to sleep and once saved, always saved. I hated it, but little by little, God was working on me. Even then, I, I was being exposed to the, what the Word taught, what it was saying. and you know, I can't tell you exactly when it happened, but it happened. God, the Holy Spirit, gave me enough information and I made a decision. And it, a good example uh, that I gave, a scriptural example, is in Ephesians 1.18, uh, 1.13, let's be correct about that, 1.13, where it just tells you how you got to be in Christ, and it, but it also tells you how you got saved. You had to hear, 
the message. It didn't say anything about loving or making Christ Lord or any of that. And yes, he is the Lord. Right? He's the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, every knee is going to bow one day to the Lord Jesus Christ, whether you believe or not. But we want to, you know, obviously to believe while you still have breath in your body. And yes, Jesus Christ is Lord. And you don't have to make him Lord in order for, for you to be saved. If that were the case, then that, would, that has to do with the Christian way of life. Even people who are saved by grace continue to struggle with sin and unfaithfulness and all sorts of things in their spiritual life, in their walk. They, we fail, we get up, we, we, we go again, we fail again, we get up. So the, our faithfulness is a learning process. It's a, it's a matter of our spiritual growth that where we see the Lordship of Christ over our particular lives. It's, for them to say, if Christ is Lord at all, he's not Lord at all, and it sounds pretty cool and, and it rhymes, but it's not biblical at all. At all. I'm just saying. I will pause. Good thanks. Thanks. Other thoughts out there before we wrap this up? I'm sorry I went longer than than I meant to go. But um Alright, so it sounds like we have reached the end of our study. We're going to close then. Let's bow our heads as we do. Thank you, Father, for this time we've had. We thank you for those who were here, who listened to the message, the message of grace, the gospel. And, and Father, if there are those who have not believed, who have not put their trust in Christ, that they can do so even now. They can hear the word, the message of their salvation, the gospel, the good news that that satisfies the bad news. And, and if they understand the message, they can have a choice. And they are responsible to believe in Christ or to refuse to believe and not see life. So we pray, Father, for them right now, asking that you would give them the reality of who Jesus is and what he has done for them in particular, that they may believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and they, they, they will be saved. We thank you for the gospel. We thank you for our calling. And we pray that you will continue to keep this forum as one that is precious to all of our hearts. It's in his, his name, Christ's name, that we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.